Welcome to this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. I'm your host, Thomas Poole, Director of Athletic Communications here at AIC. This week, we are joined by Head Equipment Manager, Bo Reardon. Bo talks about his time playing football down in North Carolina, as well as Springfield, and his travels around the world. Joining me now is Head Equipment Manager, Bo Reardon. Thank you for joining me, Bo. Hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. So, obviously, we know that you're a fantastic support staff member, but I know a lot of people don't truly understand and know what you do from a day-to-day aspect. Can you talk a little bit about what you do day-to-day and uh, what, how you play a role in ASC Athletics? Well, yes. Uh, I've been the Head Athletic uh, um, Equipment Manager for the last four years, mm-hmm. and my primary... Uh, responsibilities to make sure that all the teams are outfitted and have the proper equipment, the proper apparel uh, for their games and for practice. Uh, I have an st- assistant uh, who works with me. I have two graduate assistants and I have a couple of work study people and we make sure that uh, all the practice gear is laundered, returned to the locker room and again we spend a lot of time ordering equipment, the proper equipment, make sure for your contact sports especially that the equipment is fitted properly uh, and then new uniforms and to that ex- extent. So then obviously you get to interact with the student athletes quite a bit on just the social aspect of it. Can you talk a little bit about what your favorite parts of those interactions are with the student athletes? I have a couple of favorite parts. Uh, like I said, I've been doing this for four years now uh, and I get to see all of them. Uh, you know, sometime or other they all stop by whether they're dropping off laundry or they have a problem with their equipment. And I enjoy meeting the different student athletes, uh, uh, so I enjoy that part of it. Um, I'm pretty much a character. Uh, I like to tease people. Uh, you know, sometimes they don't know if I'm teasing, if I pretend I'm mad at them. But I enjoy that part of it, and I think they finally realize that I'm full of hot air a lot of times, and we have a lot of fun doing that. So you mentioned your assistant, uh, Ben, uh, obviously does not get a lot of the recognition, just as you don't. Um, for keeping our teams well equipped and safe. Can you talk a little bit about his responsibilities versus your responsibilities? Yes, Ben is, uh, like I said, he's his official title is assistant equipment manager, but he's also the head of hockey equipment manager. Mm-hmm. And as it's our division one sport, and so he spends a great deal of time with the hockey team. He comes in in the morning and, and does what he has to do around our office and our room taking care of laundry, making sure people are doing what they're supposed to do. Then he heads down to the Mass Mutual Center to work with the hockey team. And with the hockey team, he has to show up in skates just about every day. Mm-hmm. He has to make sure the, their locker room is, is in top shape to get ready for practice, get their equipment ready for their practice. Then turns around, and because it's off campus, he has to turn around and bring all their gear back here to be laundered and, and get ready for the next game. Uh, he's in charge of ordering the skates, the the hockey sticks and all the protective equipment, making sure that's that's safe for the players to wear, and they have sticks to use and, and uniforms to wear. So obviously one of the sports, I'm sure we'll get into this here a little bit later, but football is what you cover. You obviously have a vast knowledge of it. Is that something that you truly love to do, still being inter- interacting with uh, the student-athletes, especially the football athletes, uh, even after your coaching and playing days? Well, yes. I mean, when I first was hired, um, they asked me to come. I'd been 
coaching here for, for 13, 14 years and had retired from coaching, and they asked me to come back to help them out, specifically football in the equipment room. And I thought that was kind of a little bit strange thing to do, to be yelling at kids one year and washing their socks the next. But I said I would do that, and I enjoyed the experience. It was, it was different to uh, interact with the kids on, on that basis. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, have, I had knowledge of, of how, I think every coach has a knowledge of what the equipment is all about, how mm -hmm. to fit it, how to make sure it's properly worn, how it's properly fitted, so that they, you know, they have the, they're always safe when they're out of practice or a game. So I enjoyed that part of it. And again, it was a little less strenuous in terms of, of uh, being able to joke with them and, and, and confide in them and, you know, see how practice was and, and instead of being, you know, you better do it or I'm going to knock your brains out. So it was a different kind of a thing. So, so you mentioned your coaching, but let's jump back even before then. How did you get your start in football, and I guess what was your career like? Well, I'm quite old, so it started a long time ago. I started playing uh, football in junior high school in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, we moved from North Carolina to uh, Rivervale, New Jersey, where mm -hmm. I played football for four years in high school there. Um, and it was good because uh, they didn't start football back in those days until in New Jersey until your freshman year in high school. So I had two years up on them, and it certainly helped out. And I played four years there. Um, I earned a scholarship to play football at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I stayed down there for a year um, and decided that Division One football was really not where I wanted to be. Um, they pretty much controlled everything that you had to do. And when to eat, when to do this, mm -hmm. and all this sort. So I said it really wasn't my cup of tea at that time. And I transferred to Springfield College. And uh, back in those days, you had to sit out a year before you could do anything. Uh, so I didn't participate at all in football the first year I transferred to Springfield. And then went out that the following uh, year and uh, was offensive tackle for that, uh, for that year. And unfortunately, by th I was very large when I left Wake Forest. I was up to about 285 pounds. Oh, wow. High blood pressure ultimately uh, stopped me from playing football, so I dropped all the weight. So I only played for a year at, at, at Springfield College. So then what made you choose Springfield? And I'm sure there are lots of other schools that you could have gone to, but what made you choose Springfield? Well, um, I'm a Springfield <laughs> brat. Um, my father graduated from Springfield College in 1951. So he was very active with the, with the college. Uh, I remember as a kid, we'd go back. He lived in Weymouth, Massachusetts, Bloomfield, Connecticut as a youngster. Mm -hmm. So we went to see the college. And I was recruited by them out of high school and thought about going until uh, Wake Forest offered me the scholarship. And so when I went back there, I said, well, that's where I want to transfer because uh, I liked the school. I liked what it stood for, and that's where I ended up at. So then after your playing career at Springfield, and you mentioned that one year, what was next on your to do list or what did you end up doing? Well, um, because of, of um, the difficulties I had not playing football, I took it hard. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't do well in school for a while. Uh, took some time off from school. Traveled to Europe a couple times. <laughs> uh, traveled the country once and finally went back to Springfield to finish up. I think I was probably about 23 at the time, 22, 23, 24, something like that. I can't remember so long ago and decided I wanted to get back into football. And mm -hmm. they had a new coach at Springfield College and I dropped him a letter saying I was interested in coaching and said uh, even though uh, like a graduate assistant or an assistant part-time, 
I said, even though I wasn't technically a graduate of Springfield at the time, but because of my age and, and background, he took a shot with me. So mm -hmm. Howard Vandersee, who was uh, the new coach at Springfield College, uh, took me on, and uh, I was there for um, probably two years until I graduated, and then two, three, three years after that as an assistant, I became the head freshman co football coach at, at Springfield. Mm -hmm. So then head freshman coach at Springfield, obviously I'm sure you learn a lot about coaching and I guess running a team at the same point because if you're obviously working with the varsity but you're also the head coach of the freshman, you're, you have your own organization sort of to run and get ready for that next level. What was that like for you and what did you learn from it? <laughs> well, it's, it, it's, <coughs> it's fascinating because I can remember like it was yesterday, part of the thing in that when I said I'd when they were looking for a head freshman coach, I said I was interested, and he said, "Really?" And I said, "Yes." And and you and you do obviously you do the same thing that the varsity is doing because you want to yep. bring them along. Back then, freshmen could not play uh, on a varsity level, and uh, I remember thinking, "Okay, I know this. I know the offense pretty well because I worked with the offense." And and we had a guy. Two things happened stick in my mind. One was um, I was always with the offensive line, and I had a player I was working with was working with the backs and. We're working on a sprint draw, and mm -hmm. and then I really wasn't paying attention back there because we're worrying about the offensive line. And I looked finally, like to like the third, fourth, fifth practice, and he was doing a handoff that was completely wrong and backwards, and oh and, and, <laughs> and the play would never have worked. And but that took me four or five days to realize. So you got to remember, you got to start to step back and look at the big picture. Yep. And the other thing that sticks out, and uh, in fact, it, that coach was a graduate assistant at Springfield, he's still at Springfield, Jack Hollick. Uh, was helping him run the defense, and uh, we played a game, and I wasn't paying attention too much to the defense because I'm working some of the offense, and the Coach Grandesi said to me after the game, he says, since when do we run an even defense because we run an odd defense, and I, I was, he was very mad at me for letting that happen, and I wasn't even aware of it, so those are things as a young coach that you start to pick up on and say, okay, I got to step back and, and look at the big picture and see what I, I, I can't just worry about the right tackle or the left tackle, what he's doing, yep. I need to know what everybody else is doing, so really looking at that big picture and and like you said zooming out and making sure not being micro on something that might ultimately deter yes. the rest of the team that was the big thing yeah i learned that the hard way having to so then after the coaching that freshman team for a couple of years where did you end up going i ended up not coaching for a while um i got involved with a, a restaurant uh, and nightclub in springfield um, and at the time, I was making a lot more money than I would be coaching and teaching. And so I did that for a number of years. And um, then um, uh, Western New England came looking at me. They were just up from club football. Mm -hmm. And uh, Coach Jerry Martin was going to be was the coach that one year. And he was looking for a defensive coordinator. And uh, I said, well, that really wasn't my forte. But obviously, as I had some background in it. And I said, yes, I'll take it. So it was a part-time position. Uh, they had no money at the time. Um, and uh, so I was a defense coordinator for two years. And uh, I enjoyed it. It was back good, good to be back in, in, in football. Uh, I had missed it. And I was glad I was back. And then after that, um, my wife's cousin said that Westfield High School was looking for a head football coach. And I said, well, that's interesting. So I said, I'll, I'll apply for that. And like I said, when we were at Western New England, they had no money. We had no film. We were just up from everything. So 
my wife had no idea that uh, your time commitment because I was able to come home on Sundays because we didn't meet long like you do now. And yep. I said, well, you know, being a head coach at high school is a little bit different, and you play till Thanksgiving, and basically what I'm telling you is I'll see you in Thanksgiving. And she chuckled until she realized she didn't see me for because I did get the job at Westfield High School. I was there for six years, mm -hmm. and I'd say goodbye every August and see you in Thanksgiving. So then that's obviously a big commitment not only for you but for your wife. Uh, I think that's one of the things that people don't always understand from the coaching aspect is the amount of time you truly are away from your family. Um, and you definitely have to have a spouse or a significant other who is bought in with that as well. Without a doubt. And my wife, Debbie, was fabulous with it. Um, you know, we did have a young girl. She used to bring her to the games. Um, Debbie has some memories of being, especially as a head high school football coach, memories sitting in the stands and people, you know, yelling at the coach, why are you running that? And but she also remembers that Allison, when she was a little girl, was down the, down the sideline for the cheerleaders and running around having the time of her life. So she got involved with that aspect of it, and it was made it a little bit easier. But mm -hmm. again, you you leave for the for the afternoon, and, and you're not getting home until 6.30, 7 o'clock at night. Uh, you're gone all day Sunday planning, uh, Saturdays and Sundays planning the, the next game, and Monday nights too. So it's a long, long haul. So from Westfield, you eventually find <coughs> your way to ASC. What was that progress like? And then I guess you checked off all three higher education um, schools in the Springfield area. Um, but what was your the rest of your journey to ASC? Well, I had spent six years at, at, at Westfield and, 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 and basically thought it was time to leave there. And uh, one of the coaches at Minichark High School, Dan Donovan, was a uh, – had worked at AIC for a couple of years, and that mm -hmm. was the head coach at Minichog, and said he was going to AIC to talk to Coach Wilkins about secondary coverage because he wanted to learn some more about it. He says, why don't I tag along and we'll talk to him? I said, great. So uh, I accompanied uh, Dan here and met Coach Wilkins, and I can remember that he had us out, in the, and Dan's a big guy too, and had us out in the street backpedaling like a defensive backwood and I'm sure everybody was laughing like the devil because these two big guys are trying to backpedal and he's explaining these drills and how to do this and what they're supposed to do and how to coach it and we had some fun we talked some more went on the board and talked more about defensive coverages and so forth and then he said why don't you come up to my office and I said okay and so we went up and chatted and you know basically we chatted and, and I said nice meeting you and then I went down to see Dan I said Dan I think I'm working at AIC. <laughs> I said, Coach Wilkins just asked me to come aboard, and I said yes. And so uh, it was 2002. I came that year and actually worked on the defensive side of the ball, coached linebackers. Um, and uh, we had a new defensive coordinator come in that year. And unfortunately, that poor man got ill during the season. So Coach Wilkins looked at the other old man on the staff, me, and said, I think you need to help us out. And so we, we got it through that year. So then with that, you obviously spent some time on coaches' staff, and you've been able to see the transition and the different phases of the football program. Can you talk a little bit about, um, I guess, some of the better teams you've seen while you've been here at AIC? Uh, I've been very fortunate. We've had some really great teams here at AIC. First one that comes to my mind was the 2018 uh, when we made it to the NCAA's. Um, we actually had the, we actually were that good that year that we hosted the, the first round of the NCAA's, and back on the old field, 
and um, before we had the beautiful artificial service. Okay. Yep. And it rained for three days prior to that game, and the field was nothing but a mud bowl. And uh, I've never seen conditions like that before, and I hope to never see them again. So that was a really good team, a lot of great kids, uh, you know, that, that, that put their all into the season and, mm -hmm. and, and the school. And then the obviously the other one was 2013, I think. I uh, believe that's, that's correct. Right, that's correct. Um, where again, we got invited to the NCAA tournament, won the, the, the Northeast Ten Conference Championship, and we had uh, a really great group of guys again that year too. Uh, had a, you know, we people talk about the offensive line, and uh, we had an outstanding offensive line that year, and, and everybody said, you know, what a great job I did. I said, well, with the kids I had, I didn't have to do anything. They were just superior smart football players, salt of the earth. These guys were just, they come practice early. Uh, they worked hard and they were just a great group of guys and, and we were fortunate to have another great season. So, and I've seen, you know, when I first got here in 2002, uh, you know, we've seen some transition. We've decided, you know, what kind of athletes, where you're going, where you're recruiting areas you're going. Yep. And, you know, and we we're always very fortunate that I think Coach Wilkins is, is still a lot about the people who worked on the staff and the kind of kid that he wants to come to AIC, and 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 those are the kind of kids we end up getting here. So, so I know we're going to switch gears, but as we get towards wrapping up, I know you mentioned that you traveled uh, for a little bit um, after Springfield or during your time in Springfield. What was your favorite spot to go and visit, or um, was there a spot that you stayed longer than others? Well, yes, I have been to Sweden twice. Okay. I went there technically after the year that I went with a high school friend of mine. We were supposed to graduate in 73, and we went that summer to travel Europe. And we, I had met some Swedish gymnastics club that were touring the country that summer. And I said it would be a good stop. And they range in age from 8 years old up until 25. Oh, wow. And we took, so we took the older ones out and took them to the city, New York City. I was close by there when I was in Jersey. Mm -hmm. And then we became good friends for that short time, and we said we'll stop off in Stockholm to, to see them and before we travel. And so we did, and ended up staying a month there. And we, Charlie and I bought a car, my friend and I bought a car, traveled Europe, and they came back the following summer and renewed acquaintances and decided to go again. So I went to Sweden with nothing in plan, just to go. Yep. Ended up working there and staying in Stockholm for probably close to a year. Oh, wow. So I'm sure you, especially with the hockey guys, because I know we've had some speaking of hockey and women's soccer as well, but I'm sure that's something that uh, you're able to really connect with them on. Well, th it is. And also, uh, unfortunately, um, I, I learned Swedish when I was there. I got fairly decent at it. But back in, in the 70s, everybody wanted to learn English because that's how they communicate with they went to. You know, if for us to go to Rhode Island, it's like them going to Norway and yep. Germany and so forth. So they, everybody spoke English, and they wanted to practice their English. So it was very difficult for me to learn Swedish. I finally ended up going to a radio course. So it was happened every night or twice a week. I'd go to this class and pick up Swedish. And I learned quite a bit. And But again, that was the 70s. And so when I met some of the, the Swedish athletes here, uh, you know, I'd say something, and they would sign a laugh and say, okay, I think I heard what you said. And <laughs> Or we, they'd, I would be able to get something off, and then they start talking to me in Swedish, and it went right through my head. So... I, I managed to say a few things, and I can make a few people laugh, and they can laugh at my accent and or the wrong word. So, 
well, at least that's a good way to to really interact and get right. to know those students, athletes, and hopefully make them feel a little bit more at home as well. Yes. So rounding out the podcast, I'm going to ask you the same question I ask every single guest, and that is, what moment in life has influenced you the most? I think the biggest thing is when I returned to Springfield College. Um, I, I I tease people saying that I was uh, you know I was a Springfield College brat. Uh, I had a triangle emblazoned on my hip, uh, you know, a heart or whatever. Yep. My father was very active in it, and it just was a unique place to be. And the fact that it's, you know, I, I struggled a little bit playing football there because of health reasons. But when I st- and I, that's when I started coaching, and and I just fell in love with that aspect of coaching. So I think that was the turning point. The thing that sticks out in my mind was was heading to Springfield College and actually coaching football and doing something I really truly love. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Bill. Um, I appreciate you taking time out of your day to stop by and talk with us and um, we definitely want to give you the recognition and say thank you for everything that you do for the department. It was my pleasure, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity. And that's this week's edition of the Yellow Jacket Experience. Be sure to join us this weekend on Friday and Saturday as hockey hosts RIT. Puck drop for Friday is 7.05 and on Saturday, 105. We'll see you next week.